Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, indoor cycling app that makes training fun. I'm LR here with Benji as always on our Sunday morning to do the EF Education Easy Post ATM Machine Preview and also the TIBCO now called EF Education TIBCO Silicon Valley Bank. I mean... Some of these team names are getting out of control here. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to keep up with this. Anyway, both of them in this preview. First, EF Education, Easy Post Preview, a team which uh, I'm not going to call them. Are they America's sweetheart? They're very popular in the US and in South America. They're a team I really like their race tactics and I find the social media stuff a little bit cringe. So, But then their transfers and race tactics are just so good that I'm a I'm a silent fan of the team, but their their 2021 season, Benji, focusing almost entirely on World Tour races or high level races, uh, taking out 11 World Tour wins, including a Giro stage win and obviously those three Magnus Court Vuelta stage wins. They target these races, and I think they get the most out of their riders. And it's a lot of different riders: Court Biscobetti, or Uran Paulus, Vandenberg, winning these stages too. Yeah, that's true. Now, the thing that I remember the most from this year is indeed that Court Vuelta. Magnus Court has been amazing in the Vuelta, <laughs> absolutely crucial in getting them success in that race. Because let's be honest, in GC in the Vuelta, it wasn't exactly perfect, was it? So I think that leads me to Coffee, in which I was slightly disappointed with his only eight spot in the Giro, for example, after a better Vuelta last year. So, yeah, I was kind of hoping that we'd see a, a consistent coffee again this year. That was not really the case. That eight spot at the Giro, I expect more from him. Uran at the Tour de France was great for the initial part. Won that stage at the Tour de Suisse, which made me pretty hyped because, uh, yeah, Uran winning stuff, that's cool. Uh, but in the Tour de France, when the harder mountains started to come... He fell through, and there were stages where Higita was climbing better. So in the end, a 10th spot. Yeah, two top 10s in Grand Tours when it comes to GC. I'd argue that's less than I expected for the squad. I think so, and it doesn't count for them. But at, well, like at the end of the year, they their riders were flying. Volgren and Paulus were absolutely flying, like both in the top five at World Championships. Just outrageous. But I agree with what Benji said. Just a little bit off expectations, really, with Carthy and uh, Uran, they would have been wanting some top fives in GC. That being said, it's a lower-budget team relative to Yumbo, Ineos, UAE, etc., as we all know. Before we get into their transfers, mention our show partner, Zwift. We had an awesome inaugural LRCP Swift group ride last Tuesday. Had a lot of fun with the Q&A with me and Benji. Join us tomorrow for the second one, heading to Benji's favorite course. Actually, I quite like it for a cruise. Tempest Fujit for a flat 60-minute social ride. We will be discussing the Tour of Oman and Tour de la Provence, the final results, discussing that, talking about me and Benji, our goals for this year, both on Zwift and generally with our cycling fitness. So make sure you join. There's the event description down below, and there's a Discord link in that event description so you can listen in to us during the Q&A. Their transfers, Benji, and, and sorry, on that, one of their transfers, though, dovetails into it nicely, Igita, he's the one that disappointed for me last year where – yeah. The talent in 2019 was just huge and 
Well, I, I, th- I thought he was going to be little, little mini Valverde in 2019, and he, in 2021, he wasn't that. Yeah, I, I'd argue the same, but does that mean that they perhaps send him to the wrong race to shine? They sent him to the Tour de France, where he was kind of chained to Uran for a lot. Then again, he went in the breakaway, I think, on, was it Tinia, where he completely fell through uh, against Quintana as well? So I think it's a combination of having to go to the Tour de France as a Grand Tour, plus in the Tour de France, not really having optimal stage in the breakaway as we hoped for. Is that accurate, do you think? I think so. And the right races is the, is what I think is correct. Looking at this, it seems very evident to me that, I mean, maybe Paranis, where he did pretty well in GC in 2020, is different, but he looks to me like he doesn't like the cold and rain. UAE Tour, really, really good. Yeah. On Jabel Jace and Hafeet, like really good, just I was TT and lost on the crosswinds, but climbing stage is great. Torreno, really good. Third on Prassi de Tivo, fourth on the punchy stage three. Then there was the stage five Castel Fidardo I attacked because I was cold Matthew Vanderpol stage, and he lost, I think, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. He lost 21 minutes and on that stage. Then Basque Country, cold and wet a lot of the time. Didn't Even though it's punchy, he faded in that race too. Then Tour de France, first week. Well, first two stages in Brittany, nice and dry and decent conditions, quite good. Got to the Alps, rainy, completely faded. Third week, really, really good when they went to the Pyrenees, whereas it was actually quite a bit warmer down here. So... As Benji alluded to, Vuelta. He he should be doing the Vuelta every year, and I think he should be avoiding <laughs> avoiding the rain and the wet. What's he doing this year, Benji? Isn't he doing – have Bora said what he's doing? I think he's doing the Vuelta indeed. I think Hill Classics and Vuelta, that's okay. uh, his plan currently. So they're doing what you say, so they're listening to you. Anyway, he's gone to Bora, as you know. TJ Van Garderen retired as well as – I think he's gone straight into being a director because like, obviously, you know, unlike in other sports, going and doing a diploma or something, not necessary for cycling. Alfarez retired, Morena Hofland retired, uh, Fumiyuku Beppu retired, Mitch Docker retired, Logan Owen, I'm not sure what's happened, Will Barter went to Movistar, James Whelan has gone back to Australia, he didn't get renewed, and Craddock went to Bike Exchange. The Craddock one I was really surprised by, actually, Benji. Like, he was good as a domestic for Cordon of Welter. Yeah, but then again, you think he's the best time trialist in the world, so. <laughs> um, he, listen, he's going to be like third last man for Groenewegen in that train. I think Bike Exchange is going to get a lot out of it. I was surprised to see Craddock, the American, go. Anyway, the incoming transfers, there's more firepower on balance there. Uh, three young guys I'm very high on, Sean Queen, American from Hagen's. George Steinhauser, good climber from Tyrol, German, and Ben Healy, Irish rider from Trinity Racing. Oh, and Marin Vandenberg, sorry. One of the best U23 classics guys from FTJ Conti team. Which of those those riders do you like the most, Benji? I'm honestly most hyped about Marin Vandenberg of those ones, like you mentioned. Classics, but also just as a pure sprinter as well. He had solid sprints into the Lavenir where he won two stages individually and one team time trial. The team time trial isn't really indicative of his sprints, obviously, but the man's pretty fast. And if we can see that throughout this year, perhaps in the uh, Classica de Almeria that is going on just after we are recording this and before you are listening to this. So he might have already done a decent sprint by now. 
nonetheless, I do expect him to be uh, showing himself, perhaps not at the start yet, but throughout the season, growth and results and eventually getting some proper results as well. And like you say, perhaps dibble into a classics race as well. I don't expect that to happen in the first year, though. Perhaps in those one lot one races towards the end of the year, more likely compared to a couple races at the start of the year. And another signing, not a Neo Pro, who's now coming back to World Tour, James Shaw, Benji. An unusual pathway, but quite a a nice redemption story, but an indication of what how hard it is to make it back into World Tour. Yeah, quite certainly. I remember the days where he was riding for Lotto Sudal in 2016, 17, and 18, and then he went through the likes of Rebel, Riwal, and Swift Carbon for a bit, and now he's back, like you say, in World Tour for two years, so the man's got some security for two years in here, and he showed himself last year in both Slovenia, where we spoke about on the pod on, I think, Nova Gorica finish, uh, the finish where Pogacar won. No, Ulisi won ahead of Pogacar because Pogacar gifted it to Ulisi. He was strong there. He was also strong on the uh, other climbing stage that Pogacar actually won, which is the finish on uh, Incelie. And uh, yeah, that race itself showed that he was good enough to be competing in a World Tour level as Domestique, first of all. I don't believe he's good enough to actually compete for victories yet, or perhaps in breakaways. Tour of Britain once again showed that in that Gateshead finish. Yes, that's a, a hilly finish, but the hills beforehand, you got to get over that. And he got over that with stronger riders, Honore, Woods, Serrano, Alaphilippe, Hater, Van Aert. So there's strength there. And it feels like a fun transfer for a team like EF, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And I think Vortas and EF, they sort of like reclamation projects. They like riders who have been undervalued by other teams and they think they can get the most out of them and often they can and oh, there's also Wisniewski from Quebec Next Hash Duel and Kudus uh, they've signed uh, I think they'll be largely domestiques the big headline signings are well Odd Christian Eiking who came second on GC Arcuris in Norway he's, he's signed I think they're going to use him in Hilly Classics which makes sense and sort of one week stage races uh, that have hilly finishes but not long mountains. He obviously wore the red jersey in the Vuelta. The big signings, Chavez, Benji, will go first of all. They do like having, maybe if Uran's retiring and Aguita's gone, they, they like having a Colombian core or South American core of riders from Bike Exchange. He did do well in Catalonia last year. Is it stage hunting or are they going for GC with him? Oh, it's difficult. Now, from his parkour, we'll talk about what he's doing this year a bit later, but I'll already spoil a part of it. He's apparently planned for the Giro, and that means it's a Grand Tour with limited time trial kilometers. Now, if Chavez goes there, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to go for GC with him, but I personally would like to see him go for stage instead. It's been a while since he had a proper GC in a Grand Tour, let's be honest about it. He got 13th in the Tour de France this year. That's not a crazy result, because like... The gap, what, what do we call it again? The uh, demilitarized zone between 10 and 15 that <laughs> people that try to go for a top 10 GC but fail landing? Uh, zone, of, zone of irrelevancy, I think. Oh, no, I don't know what I called it. Yeah, <laughs> 30, 30, 38 minutes back. I think he did go on a break with, I think, on the Molima stage and, or, or the Conrad stage, yeah. and Molima just ruined, it, ruined everybody. Yeah, and... He seems to have issues going in breakaways, it seemed, that the team that he was at, at Bike Exchange, because at the start of stages, a few Grand Tours now, he's tried to go in breakaways and it didn't really work out, and it's therefore like 
it seems like it's not the easy thing for him to go into breakaways and being able to benefit from that every single time. Because, for example, a, a Pensteiner in the past was able to do it every single day and gain time like that. It's a skill. It, it, it's yeah, a skill. Right. Like not, we, we always say, oh, just lose time, go on the break, lose time, go on the break. Some GC guys are just not used to that. They're never used to doing it where they, you start a stage really hard and you got to sprint and then you got to expend energy early, get in the break. I remember Lopez, he tried as well to get – they struggle sometimes and they, they spend a lot on the flat often when the breaks are forming. Benji always mentions this. He's like, it's a flat run in at the start. Rulers will be putting pressure on. So it would be hard for the smaller guys to get in the break. Yeah, so that's just something to bear in mind as well. Like sometimes these guys – it's not a, oh, well, he, if he came fifth out of the GC group on a mountaintop finish, then if he's in the break, he's going to win easily. Uh, yeah. It's not a two plus two equals equals five. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, go on, Benji. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I do think that he's made some kind of recovery from the days of his injury back in the day. He has crawled back quite a bit. I don't actually recall his specific injury anymore from the past, but... Yeah, at Epstein Bar. Oh, okay. Same as uh, Gavin. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's uh, pretty big then. But I do hope that we see something from him this year. I would like to see him get freedom in races to go for himself in breakaways. I do believe that's the goal of this transfer as well. I uh, would not be surprised if once again in one-week races like Catalonia, he'll be going for GC. But again, I would like to see Chavez win again. And I don't care if he gets 7th or 8th in GC. I want to see him win stages. I agree. I'd love to see him win a Giro stage. And I think they generally, that is what they do. They don't chain up people as domestiques for the entire race. The marquee signing, at least in my view, or the biggiggest news signing, because the Chavez one made a lot of sense. Everyone's like, oh, that makes sense. This one, though, Mark Padun, the Ukrainian who set the Dauphiné on fire with back-to-back stage wins, transferring from Bahrain to EF on a three-year deal. There's actually been a lot of press about this. Padun gave an interview to Lakeep. Vorters and EF did a long piece on Padun and who he is, etc. Vorters said he has the highest absolute value in like critical power or whatever, uh, not weight adjusted or something that, that they'd ever seen when they tested him randomly before they signed him. I think they just think, Benji, they're like, let's just take a shot on this guy. Huge talent, maybe not had the right support and let's just see what they, we can develop him into. I've got the same feeling. I feel like it's a contract for a rider that is a bit of a, an untouched gem where they want to try and make the gem as pretty as possible throughout the progress of his career at this team and see what they can achieve with that unpolished gem at the moment. And therefore, I'm I'm expecting at the start to not see a rider that will just jump in it for GC in one week races. I would like to see him win World Tour stages first and then attempt to go for the GC stuff once he's already reached that. I say this a lot, that I prefer seeing people go for a stage win before they go for GC. And that's what I want to see, mainly because if he starts winning stages, you can see whether he can start consistently being in breakaways in Grand Tours. And if he can do that, then can uh, that can basically tell you that he's more consistent than he is before, which can lead to a decision to send him for GC in a future Grand Tour. And I want to see consistency first before I see that. Do you believe that Podun can at one point in his career become a GC rider? Yeah, I do. I do. Because one week's, definitely one week's. Uh, I think yeah. 
he hasn't had much help with his TT. Obviously, I, I know Padun personally, really nice guy. Um, he's he's a big guy. He He's like, I mean, I met him. I was like, wow, you're like 6'1", way taller than I expected. Because uh, I remember PCS had his weight at like 61 kilos for Dauphiné. And it's like, no. He's, he's, so he puts out a lot of power. So his TT with any effort, I'd say above average with TT, surely they can help him in that regard, uh, improve. Uh, it can't really get, get much worse. So I think one week's definitely. Three weeks, I really don't know. The consistency, managing managing energy, feeding, eating right throughout the whole three weeks. That's something that takes a long time to learn. He's already 25. But I think one week's like he's doing Romandy this year. That's got an uphill TT, like a mountain TT. If he's on, he can win the he can win the whole race. If he just and it's going to be rainy and cold, which he likes. Yeah, I do want to add that I uh, we've seen a lot of criticism to Button in the last couple of weeks, where he came out of nowhere for that Dauphiné, is what people say. But I actually disagree with that. He was getting a top five at the U twenty three Giro before he started already doing solid results in proper races the year after, Tour of the Alps. He won a stage there ahead of the likes of Chris Froome, Thibaut Pinot, uh, George Bennett, Ciccone, Pozzo Vivo, and so forth. And that's not that's not against nobodies. Let's be honest about it. And he was not that consistent towards the end of that year because in that Vuelta, he only really had one stage where he was able to do something. And I think it also was partially because he didn't really get into the breakaways there. And one time he did, he got third in a Vuelta stage that was behind, I think, Von Balenc. And yes, I vaguely recall there being like a barrier behind the finish line that then swooped up a rider or something. I don't know what it was, but that's something that stuck to my mind from that stage. But then the year after, we once again summoned breakaways in the Vuelta, getting a top five in a the stage there. He won Adriatica Ionica. That's not the biggest top-level race, but that's beating riders that are solid domestiques at that point in World Tour, like a Jan Pollans, a James Knox, who was getting a top 13 or top 12 at a Grand Tour that year. So I disagree that we, he was coming out of nowhere for uh, for the Dauphiné, 100%. Just very inconsistent and often, you know, not not the first priority rider at Bahrain. And so riding a domestic, it's kind of like when Haig was at Bike Exchange, not, like not many results. But then you're like, he's always riding as a domestic for Yates and then gets an opportunity at Bahrain, does well. Anyway, excited to see what they do with that roster. Now into our squad predictions. Cobbles first. Their best, I mean, they've kept Kukulera. They've got Langeveld and Ruch. Ruch often wastes a lot of energy. The leaders, Benji, look like Bissiger, Betiol, and Valgren. But Valgren and Benji could just as easily be nowhere for the next six months again. That wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> exactly. And Betil is kind of a similar rider, although at the start of this yeah. year, he said that this year I need to make sure I've got no excuses to not get a result. So let's hope Betil can prove that in these couple races. So you're right, those three riders. But I feel like Bissiger is more like the uh, Fambala of the three, where he's the rider that needs to be sent forward before the hills arrive and try and yeah. survive it by being ahead before the cobbles actually hit. And uh, I think Kirkler is domestique at this point. Langeveld, I was, I'm not going to lie, I thought he was retired at this point. So <laughs> I, I was surprised to see him in the squad. But hey, I'm glad he's not retired. I'm glad he's still enjoying his bike rides. And I think he's still fitting in that cobble squad. Like you said, Ruch in there. If he can figure out a way to not spend his energy 
this unwisely because he attacks a lot when it's not necessary. Let's be honest about it. And he spends a lot of pacing when it's not necessary. If he can make sure that's honed in on moments that is actually mattering, he can be a solid domestique and might even surprise in a Dwarsdorf Vlaanderen or something. Yeah, I think I think Ruch has the talent, as you said, uh, issues with decision making. Uh, Bissiger, again, I, I like him for Roubaix. He was forward early, big engine, but the hills. Uh, that's why he needs to get forward early. The hills, I think, he struggles, still struggles on a little bit in the repeated efforts. So, not there. It's an okay team. It all hinges on Bediol. If Bediol's in magic form, then they have someone who can come top three in Gentevelhem or, or whichever race that isn't for pure or for the sort of classics sprinters. The problem with Bediol is he has to go solo. He doesn't have a sprint compared to the, the classic sprinty boys. Milano Sanremo, again, pro- like Court, it should suit Benji. The thing is, Court is, he seems to be a guy who can do. 95% of his max is what Vorta said on Twitter, although he got probably the numbers a little bit wrong. 90% of his max after a hard day, whereas that max isn't as high as like the five-minute max of an MVDP, Alaphilippe, Wout van Aert, which is what you need at the end of a Milano San Remo. Like he's not, he's not got the punch to get separation on the Poggio and he's not got the sprint to win in the finale. How does Court... I don't know, that's just the writer is, whereas Welter breaks, he's in it all day and then can dust everyone on the sprint. So who is their man for MSR? I, I guess it's still his court trying to do a Sturvin maybe at the end of the descent. I think it's a combination of Court, Valgren and Betiol in the squad. When it comes to Court, you only need to try and get him over the Bajo uh, with the front group. And if that works out, that's fine. But that's a very difficult thing to do. The thing with Court is... I'd argue it's also related to one-day races versus stage races, because if we take a look at Court, he got a top 10 at E3 ages ago, but that's an exception compared to the majority of his other one-day races, and it looks like perhaps it's something to do with he needs a few days to get it in order, because in Tireno, for example, he gets third on, I think it was the first sprint stage, but that's a more relaxed stage before they get to that, so like you mentioned, you need to spend more kilojoules in a classic before the action happens and then eventually we notice that it kind of works out in the second week and the third week of grand tours and breakaways and so forth so perhaps it's more related to he needs to get a bit of a, a ride going a few days before he he's really in the mood to uh be in the stage hunting squad you know yeah he just he just doesn't seem to yeah he just seems to be a stage guy and that's fine but yeah, I'm not expecting them. They won't be favourites, certainly, to win Milano Sanremo. The Hill Classics, uh, Amstel, Liège, etc., they are much stronger. They have Valgren, who's been good there before, but inconsistent. Court can certainly help there. Bertiol, at least for Amstel, is good. Odd Christian Eiking, we'd expect to fit in there. And I think apparently Padun might be doing uh, Liège and Flesh. So will there be a domestique? I don't know. Paulus Benji. Paulus almost should be their best rider for the age. If he's on his classic San Sebastian world's form, he or do you think it's different in that San Sebastian he got ahead, whereas Liège he doesn't have that punch to follow Gudu Woods Alaphilippe on that final climb. I think it's I think he's underrated for one day races in total. We've seen him at the World Championships, we've seen him at San Sebastian. Yes, San Sebastian was basically a bit of a breakaway that eventually made it. But 
I still believe he's underrated in those races. And I think that Yev might be underrating him for the Hill Classics because to my knowledge, he's not signed up for them yet, but I would certainly put him in the Liège squad, like you mentioned. Is he the best rider in their squad? Ooh, that's hard. Because like, if Cord was doing what he did at the Vuelta at Liège, I'd be like, he could also do decent, but he also doesn't necessarily have the punch that a Vanderpool and so forth can do. Now, ah, Paulus, I'd argue that he can do it. Cord to use in one day races. I'd go for I'd go for Paulus and and just hope. I agree. Cross my fingers, Volga and his Astana twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen. <laughs> Giro yeah. they're sending a stack squad though. Carthy, Chavez, Kudus, and uh, I'm guessing Perdun as well. If if all those guys are on, that's going to be one of the strongest climbing squads there. Uh, so I think they'll have Kudus, yeah, Kukler and Kudus the domestic Simon Simon Gare went as a domestique for Carthy last year. He was good on a couple of stages. Ruben Guerrero seems to go okay at the Giro. I'd send him as well. And do they do they need it? They don't really have a – oh, Betiol. Surely Betiol has to go as well. It's the, it's the law. Yeah, he's doing it. So they they if they don't come away with at least a stage, Benji, in a top five on GC, I think that'll be a disappointment given how strong that squad is. I think so as well. If they don't top five the Giro, then they're disappointing with this squad. They've got a solid squad to do so. I do wonder what will happen to a Chavez Ampadun if Kafi's on the start line. Will they need to fall into a domestique every single time on mountain stages? I would not do that for Kafi. I'd put if Kafi's in that team, I'd make sure Kafi's the guy that stay who stays with Kafi, and that Padun and Chavez get opportunities in the breakaway to try and solve something. Worst case scenario, they get caught in their satellite riders. So. That's what I'd be looking at there. Kudus, it's uh, it's interesting because I feel like he's also a bit inconsistent as well. He's also very good at those hotter days because in UAE tour in the past and so forth, I recall him doing decent, but I don't recall the best year for him either because he hasn't been riding a Grand Tour in 2021, apparently. He rode relatively decent, I guess, with top 25s at the Italian Classics and getting sixth on that Gogobelli stage in the Tour of Turkey, for example. But those are not stages that are shining a guy that can win a, a Grand Tour stage at the moment. So I'd argue he's going to be a, a domestique completely in that race, personally. Do you expect something more from this squad? Do you expect... Uh, I think Betiol versus Colvi are going to be the headliners that we see in Stage 8 and Stage 10, those hilly, moodle stages. That's something I look forward to. That's a stage Betiol can definitely win. Do they need a bit of a, a sprinter in this team? Would you sign they're, up... Uh, they really have any. Yeah. From the like, I guess they could take... It's early. They could take him, but I don't think they will. He's going to be focusing on other races. I would take Steinhauser yeah. um, as a domestique. Obviously, Neo Pro, like Schmidt won a stage. For, he did the first Grand Tour of the year in his first year. I'd take Steinhauser. Sean Quinn, he's also, I probably won't send him. But, yeah, I think they'll have a really climbing focus squad. And if, if Badiol doesn't come away with a stage win, I think he'll be very, very disappointed. Tour de France starts in Denmark, so obviously Court will be going as well as Valgren, but Uran will be probably trying to sneak a top 10 on GC like last year, and Bissiger uh, will be doing the opening TT trying to take yellow. So they have some options, but I don't think it's going to be that strong a squad in that they don't really have a sprinter, so write those stages out. Betiol's not doing it. He's their best break guy. Perun's not doing it. Carthy's not doing it. Uran doesn't win stages. 
So it's really – and court, as I said, I think the Vuelta, the Vuelta brakes is – the brakes in the Tour of France are built different. They're not like Vuelta four-man brakes. They're, they're different in the Tour. Where are they – I think they're going to go away without a stage, Benji. Can I spoil a hot take? Yes. I think Magnus Court Nielsen is going to win the green jersey in the Tour de France. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> 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 it would be great because <laughs> like he, he's the kind of rider I can go into breakaways and get points at intermediate sprint and can get over climbs to get more points and there's limited flat stages I see it I see it happening true I mean to be honest he would need it, it depends if Wal Van Aert isn't right because like Wal Van Aert is the good is like the much better version of Magnus Court um so if, if Wout van Aert's rolling as a domestique on some hilly stages, he might be rubbing his hands back in this court. Anyway, there, there are some stages with some mountains in it that finish with a, on the flat or extended flatter section that suit him. So maybe, but yeah, it's not, it's not going to be easy for them at the Tour. Vuelta, I'd probably send Court as well. Has to go to the Vuelta. Carthy, yeah. he has struggled it there last year. Chavez, I don't know. Vuelta, Vuel, we have no idea. Uh, but... I mean, who would you would you try and go for GC at the Vuelta? Do they have anyone that needs an opportunity to go for GC at the Vuelta? Like, I think it's going to be Gotti again. Like, he's doing the Giro, so he's probably going to end up doing the Vuelta as well and end up going for GC there. Yeah, you're right. This team is they they pick up wins. They know how to target uh, the right races, even if they don't win from the GC group all the time. It costs a lot to win Mountain Stage from the GC group. Um, 11 World Tour wins last year, Benji. I'm setting the over-under. I mean, 2020. And you got to remember, Caicedo struggled. Uh, I think he DNF'd in the Vuelta. Eight in 2020 in the shortened year and six in 2019. I'm setting the over-under again at 10.5 World Tour wins. Under. I don't think Gort will have the same quality year as he had in 2021. Winning three stages in one Grand Tour is something that doesn't happen every year and it's going to be difficult to uh, do that True. again. True. And I hope that component, I hope that competitors now realize how good Court is in the breakaway. <laughs> yeah, like I, ra- I really rate Quinn Steinhauser Healy, but they're not, they sh- well, maybe they will be. be. I'd love to see it, but it's unlikely they're going to be winning World Tour stages left, right and center. Without a sprinter, it makes it tough to really pick up a lot of wins as well. And so, yeah, I'm taking the under as well, Benji. But, I mean, Pudun takes two, Carthy takes one. It, it, Chavez is on. It needs to hit that. They need a lot of their riders to be on. Bertie would need to have a career year. Uh, but, yeah, ten and a half taking the under. Hot takes, I think, uh, I think Nielsen Powers wins a monument. No, I think Nielsen Powers wins world champs. Maybe both monument council or ch- world chess council monument. <laughs> I actually, uh, I actually had a similar one in mind. So <laughs> I, I was thinking either LBL or World Championships as well. But I've got court for a green jersey, quite certainly. That's so when hot. it comes to the rest of the squad, <laughs> I'm aware. But hey, that's what a hot section for is for. You, you'll sometimes say that my hot takes aren't good enough. Well, then I'm gonna go to delusional, delusional ones. <laughs> anyway, when it comes to the rest of uh. The squad here, I think, um, oh, it's really not that easily easy, is it? I think, um, I think Carthy, Carthy, uh, 
the top three the Giro. Got Carapaz, yeah. Almeida, Landa. That's gonna be tough for him to top three the Giro. Um, yeah, I don't see it. I think Betiol. I think Betiol. I was gonna say winless because he's only got, <laughs> but he's already. Yeah, it's it's gonna be hard for him to be winless. Um, he should win a Giro break pretty easily. I don't know. I think. I think what yeah. about James Shaw? Is he winning a World Tour race? Not yet. Nah, I think Bissigur is winning towards sort of London. That's a good call. Yeah, that's exactly. That's actually exactly the sort of race he will win. Uh, I think. I think Simon Carr wins wins a World Tour race from a break in a mountain stage. I think Simon Carr is is okay. Yep. rather. I believe. Uh, what about uh, re-signings, Benji? They have a fair few riders out of contract, being Rigoberto Uran and Chavez. Is Uran leaving or retiring after this year? I think you are. Uh... You called something a few months ago or weeks ago where if Uran leaves his team, they could have an option of signing Carapaz as one of their uh, GC riders if their budget allows them to, which I don't think they can pay the salary that Carapaz is certainly currently on. But hey, if they can sell their bud sponsorship for the amount that they think it's valued, $35 million according to them, then hey, then it's possible. But according to the, the value that people are able to uh, are willing to pay for it, I, I disagree in that aspect. Nonetheless, um, I think Uran will. What age is he these days? Thirty-five. to Uran, thirty-five. I think he retires. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy that retires. I know. I think he can't because he he has the schedule he wants, right? Like he did, yeah, fifty race days, and he did the tour and got to be leader at the tour. He was still good in the Olympics, like top ten in both the yeah. TT and the road race. He's It makes him relevant for all his, his clothing lines and business stuff. And once you retire, you, you lose that relevancy pretty quickly. Um, and he never won a lot anyway. He's just like always consistent. So that's a good point. I don't know, but I think I think EF might be like, I don't know how much they're paying him either, but Carapaz is definitely better than Iran. So maybe they want to make a bid for him. I think he I think he leaves. Um, yeah personally okay okay i think um i think langeveld retires because i thought he was already retired <laughs> <laughs> sorry langeveld for for the roasting today but i really didn't know about it um i hope they re-sign nakane because they've already lost beppu this year so i want more japanese people in world tour uh and i would be very disappointed to see diego andres camargo go because uh he and i go way back on our uh on our youtube so um yeah when it comes to um their re-signings like the list every everyone on the list is re is honestly replaceable is that harsh to say uh yeah as except long as morton yeah well social media wise yeah Lockie morton obviously they re-signed him i don't know what he's getting paid but he, he makes it back for them on various the alternative tour not for me personally but people were interested in it so you can't even yeah. if you don't like even if you don't like a a, a product or a, a piece of content but it's doing numbers you can't deny that it's doing numbers and you feel like well that's they should keep doing that because that is great exposure for their sponsors um because different different things for different people so yeah i think they're doing it doing a pretty good job at ef and i'm, I'm excited to see what they do this year obviously be following uh, tracking Padun pretty closely. Last question before we move on to EF Education, uh, Tibco SVB. How many Twitter fights does Jonathan Vorders get into with 
other riders or other people in the cycling industry this year, Benji? I'm saying the over under a three and a half. I think it's over. I'm, I'm guessing like Easy six, over. seven. This is go- this is going to be a banging year for <laughs> JV drama. And uh, hey, he might get into drama with us over our talks about Lungeveld today. So you never know. Yeah, or maybe tweeting out like verifiably just incorrect things. Um, the over-under on that, you can't set it high enough. Anyway, on to EF Education, Tibco, SVB, uh, a team that's now were Team Tibco, Silicon Valley Bank. They're a women's world tour team, a lot of transfers. Um, so EF, same EF Education, same sponsor as the men's team. That they're coming in sponsoring the women's team. They've lost Kristen Faulkner, who was really good for them last year, the American who won a world tour race for them, and that she's gone to Team Bike Exchange, Jayco women's team, Sarah Giganti, another one of their most talented riders, poached by Movistar, who want to make her the next Annemiek van Vluten. They're two big losses for them, Nina Kester as well to Bike Exchange, Jayco. And I'm not sure the riders they've brought in, Benji, I don't think they match the talent level of, of Faulkner and Giganti. Honestly, it's not the most... Uh enticing transfer season although most of their squad did indeed change i think there's three riders in there that are certainly talented and can perform this season fourth and a fifth that perhaps can get into a breakaway and do something from there and in all honesty i do want to say just like we said with the uh squad back in the day on our previous podcast about women's world tour that i do believe this team is not world tour worthy in total, I feel like the UCI has been giving uh, UCI World Tour licenses with serial boxes these days, but there's riders in there that do deserve to be in World Tour. And that's, for example, Lizzie Banks that is strong enough to be in a World Tour squad. And she hasn't had the best season, that's quite certain, but she had a concussion, I think, at Strada Bianca, and that needed a few months of recovery because I swear I saw an article in June somewhere where she was still recovering. So Hope she's completely past that now that she can perform in the same way she did in previous years. She got 12th in the Giro, Feminile in 2020, for example. Won a stager in Tivoli, pretty punchy rider, can get over a quite versatile terrain. Honestly, don't know 100% how well she's at Cobble. She got 6th at Omlope, though, so there's potential there to do uh, quite well. So just that combination, races like Plue and so forth, this is why they can perform. So... That's one of the three riders that I see as the spear points of the squad. What do you expect of someone like that? Yeah, banks definitely. They want sort of their they're buying a bit low, or maybe I don't know when they after she had a bit of an off year. But I just remember her in that in that break in Plue with with Diagon, just so so strong. Uh, so keen to see her having a bounce back year. Lauren Stevens, she's still winning. Like she won, I think, to a to feminine or Ardesh stage in twenty twenty. She's thirty five. She's like a veteran, but she's still really, really good. Emma Langley, another U.S. rider. It's a very U.S.-focused team. She actually uh, took out her first win last year at Joe Martin. Oh, is Joe Martin UCI? It is. It's oh, 2.2. She won two stages there. But at Tour Feminine Lardes, she actually came second on a stage, on a Healy stage too, behind Bastianelli, ahead of Brand, ahead of Garcia and Leah Thomas. So they'll be wanting to see what she can do. As well, another rider they've signed, Tanya Erath. She had that horrific experience when she crashed in the women's tour last year, a couple of days after Roubaix, and she had, I think, a, a T5 or a T6 burst fracture in her spine, and I had a T12 burst fracture, and she posted on Instagram about how she had to, like, go and get, like, basically take herself to the hospital and walk there, and I was like, I have no idea how she did that. 
uh, she must be in so much pain. Anyway, she's back. She had a recovery based on her Instagram. Looks like it's been going pretty well. She's been working hard and she got signed to EF Education uh, Tibco SVB. And we'll see what she can do. She won Zwift Academy in, in 2017 uh, and has been, been pretty good. So maybe she'll have a bounce back year as well. It's kind of like yeah. the men's team, Benji. Like they yeah, they, they, they sign or they take a chance on riders who they think are talented, who've had a bit of bad luck and they I sort of see the same philosophy applying here but do, do yeah. you see them winning a world tour race or a couple of world tour races this year well before i answer that i do want to go to one rider still that they also signed leticia borghese we spoke about her before on this podcast she rode for was it basso bikes this year or last year in 2021 where she was disqualified in the tour of flanders by throwing a bottle um and as a consequence she had a, an entire thingy around her fine that was too high by the UCI or something. We spoke about it on the podcast before. I don't remember the in-depth details really, but she's actually not a bad rider either. She got sixth in Giro dell'Emilia in 2021. Yes, it was a lower quality field, I believe, than the year before, but it's still against the Zanardi, Lelevite, Rachel Nealon, Sierra, and Mavi Garcia. Those are the riders ahead of her. And in all honesty, I do see this as a rider that could also be one of those spear points in the future. Top 25 at Bravo Sapel, not the most... Uh, Fabulous result yet, but seven that to the Swiss, for example. With a calendar, a World Tour calendar that we now have, this rider can do something quite certainly for a team like this. She can be leader in races that, for example, Lizzie Banks is not going to. For example, I'd send her to uh, the Giro Rosa, for example, and I would expect her to do relatively decent in there as well. I think she won a stage in that at some point in her career, right? 2019? Yes. She won a stage in the Giro Rosa in 2019 as well. So at the age of 21, very talented rider, now 23. So uh, I, I'm quite bullish on her. Yeah, I didn't actually. That's a pretty good background. I didn't know. Like, again, she looks like a rider who's shown talent winning at 21 at, at the World Tour and what was the biggest stage race in Women's World Tour. Bit, gone a bit off the boil. And now EF have got her. And yeah, we'll see what she can do. I think. I think they should be happy if they win a World Tour race next year. That'd be a start. And I think this is a bit of a project. I think their plan is to build out this roster a little bit more. They've already brought in like uh, Borghese is the first Italian they have or the first European apart from Catherine Hammers and Tanya Erath. Yeah. Like it was all US, UK, Canada. So they're building up the roster Probably a bit more budget now. You'd expect more budget now with EF education coming in and going up to World Tour. And yeah, I'll see, see what the team can do. Again, a transition year, I think, for them. I think that it could also lead to, well, we've spoken about the calendar leading into potentially breakaway victories a bit more in the future in women's cycling as well, because there's not that many teams who can properly control relatively strong breakaways. We saw Omer Shapira, who's also joining the squad, also in a breakaway, was it in Tokyo where she was to get away um Kiesenhofer who eventually won the race she was in that breakaway one of the last ones to be dropped as well so she can get into breakaways and do stuff like that and for example a uh, Katrin Hummus can do something like that as well so I think victories from this team are most likely going to be from either a punchy finish for Banks or a breakaway stage by others I think and Banks has a history of breakaways as well her two Giro Rosa wins yeah. uh she went solo when she was on Bigler in 2019 and although then became a keep pool car in 2020 she was very strong there so she has that like 
She's a bit like a Royce type in the break. So, again, that's where I think they can try and pick up some wins. And I think if she's on, they should be successful in doing so. That was our EF Education Tibco SVB preview along with the EF Education Easy Post preview. I do wonder at what point will the teams realize they've got to keep the names a bit snappier. Um, but we will soldier through. As I say, it is my burden to bear reading out the full names every time. We hope you enjoyed the preview. Let us know what you think will happen with both teams. Any hot takes of your own, we'll see you on the Zwift group ride tomorrow, 6 p.m. UK time, 7 p.m. European time for our Benji and LR Q&A. Ciao.